from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. The COVID-19 pandemic has not only restructured our lifestyles, it has also reshaped our economy, including credit union financial results. In 2022, credit unions will continue to adjust within an economic climate that is driven by social and financial implications of a global pandemic. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, Mike Schenk, CUNA's Deputy Chief Advocacy Officer for Policy Analysis and Chief Economist, and Dewit Kabidi, CUNA's Senior Economist, offer an overview of today's lending environment and economic forecast for 2022. Briefly, credit unions can look for a reversion to normal savings growth in 2022 and a return to normal lending growth as interest rates are expected to stay at relatively low levels. The following conversation with CUNY economists was recorded prior to the emergence of the Omicron variant. Accordingly, Shank notes the organization's baseline forecast will be updated in the second week of January. That new forecast will generally reflect the comments in this podcast with only modest adjustment. Mike Shank describes how the lending environment evolved during the pandemic. In 2020, loans grew at a rate of about 5%. And there were two really big drivers behind that growth. One was PPP lending, and the other was the fact that the Fed started buying all these long-term securities, driving long-term rates very close to zero, and then causing this massive wave of mortgage refinancing. So mortgage loan growth and business loan growth were the two primary drivers, although used car lending was pretty strong in 2020 as well. So 5.3% in 2020, and then 5% growth year over year, June 21. So we're starting to see a bit of a deceleration. And in fact, I think when all is said and done this year, overall loan growth will probably come in at something like 6% or thereabouts. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a historical perspective. For 2022, the headline is we're expecting an acceleration in loan growth, essentially following the opening of the economy and you know, a lower level of concern related to COVID. The basic idea, obviously, is that at the moment, at least, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths related to COVID, all three headed in the right direction. And so sort of the grand reopening that we were anticipating in the third quarter is actually likely to be more pronounced, more obvious in the fourth quarter, and then especially as we go into 2022. Schenk describes how low interest rates affected the performance of mortgage portfolios. So we saw a spike in lending, especially at large institutions, because of the refinancings. We also saw a shift in the mortgage portfolio from a lot of variable rate and midterm mortgages into much longer term mortgages. And because of that, from an origination perspective, a big chunk of those mortgages were sold into the secondary market. Usually when there's sales into the secondary market, the credit unions that are doing that make a lot of money on those sales. There's a big gain on sales when they sell into the secondary market. And so 
ROA, bottom line results, net income at big credit unions was quite high last year and this year as well, in part because of all that mortgage refinancing activity. Shank explains how household credit quality has improved since the outset of the pandemic. So you can see right now the exposure to debt on average in the household sector is the lowest it's been since like 2002. This is the percentage of take-home pay that's dedicated to monthly payments on debt. So what is the debt obligation, the debt payment obligation? And you can see, number one, debt exposure was falling. And number two, income was increasing very quickly with federal fiscal stimulus payments and so forth, and now with tight labor markets. And because of that, the percentage of take-home pay that was used, 8% of take-home pay is used to make loan payments, basically. Yeah. Lowest number on record. So, I mean, the basic idea here is that at a really high level in the aggregate, consumers generally and credit union members specifically because we kind of reflect what consumers generally look like, never been in better shape. Shank discusses three aspects of the economy that concern CUNY economists. One is this idea of supply chain disruptions. We do think that by, you know, middle of next year, those won't be as obvious. They won't be as impactful. That's based on a lot of the data that we get from the various federal reserve banks. If not all, most of them do manufacturing surveys, basically, where they ask manufacturers what do the supply chains look like? They ask like sort of current condition questions and then future questions. What do you think is going to happen in the future? There's a series of questions they ask. And essentially, my takeaway from the data is not like all uniform, but the general consensus when you add it all up is that supply chain disruptions are a big deal at the moment, that uh, most of these manufacturers at least think that they will continue to be a big deal for a while into the future. But by middle of next year, most of the real issues should have worked themselves out of the system. So supply chain disruptions, number one, we're concerned about that. Number two, the Fed just announced that they're going to scale back the purchases of securities that they've been engaged in. That is going to put upward pressure on longer term interest rates because you know basically the demand for those securities will be going down. And if demand is going down, that means that prices for those securities will be going down. And then mathematically, that means the yields will be going up, the interest rates will be going up. So higher longer-term interest rates suggest to us that you know, a lot of the mortgage refinancing activity that we've seen is going to go away, and that generally speaking, demand for mortgages on the margin will be influenced negatively by that trend. And then the third thing we're concerned about is because of vaccine hesitancy, it feels to us like, and this is not our interpretation, but what the public health professionals are saying, that we've essentially collectively made the decision to live with COVID. It ain't going away, right? And so who knows what the future holds on that front. I think typically my understanding is that over time, the variants become less of an issue, but who knows? I mean, we'll be talking about variants probably for a long time into the future, they more than likely, if my understanding on this is correct, they more than likely won't be as impactful as, say, the Delta variant. 
that seems to me to be a huge wild card because if the public health professionals are correct and this, you know, it follows this course, it's conceivable that, you know, at some point in the next year, we have another surge, right? It may not be quite as large as this one, but, you know, it could be impactful. Kabidi explains how credit union savings grew at record rates in 2021, but will revert to the mean in 2022. So when you look at our you know, credit union balance sheet, you see that savings has gone up. But it's really important to see, okay, what happens to households during this pandemic, right? So what we saw was like the personal savings rate, which is the savings divided by the disposable income has really increased during this pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, people were saving around 8% of their income. But at the beginning of the pandemic, around April 2020, that number has gone up up to like 30%. And that's really expected because, you know, there is economic uncertainty, people will be frugal and they will save more. And then there is also restrictions, right? People do not can go out and then spend the money. So demand has decreased, so they will save more. But then the government enacted physical response to prevent, you know, recession from taking a really a strong foot. So what they did was they injected direct stimulus check to households. That actually also like, you know, increased to that savings rate. So that continues. So like that happened in like one, like the first version happened in 2020. And then I think another large amount happened in 2021. So all these contributed to this higher savings rate entirely throughout the country. But then as the economy recovers, we started seeing, you know, people's spending pattern going up, consumer demand increasing. So they start to spend, the economy starting to recover. And actually right now, if you look at that personal savings rate, it starts to go down. As of October, for example, that's 7%, which is actually a little bit lower than its pre-pandemic level. So although the, even the first half of 2021 was still a high savings rate, now we are seeing, you know, people are going back to their normal spending pattern. When people were, are not able to, able to spend in like services going out, visiting and everything, what do they do? They spend, the spending on goods goes up. Maybe it's about the home improvement, you know, because people are staying at home. People are cooking at the house, so kitchen improvement, they buy devices and everything. Goods spending like starts to go up. And then because of that, we are seeing like, you know, that number going down. So in 2020, we saw like a very large savings rate. So credit union savings grow by 20%. So we forecast 2021 will end with a saving rate growth of 12% because of that huge saving at the beginning of the year. But we believe these, the savings rate will go back to the mean. That's what you know, he's referring to, a reversion to the mean. So by 2020, we expect that saving rate to be like around 6%. And if yeah. you look at the long run average, Excluding that 20%, for example, if you got you know, 2015 to 2019, yeah. the savings rate was between 6 to 8%. Okay. So we believe we will go back to that level yeah. in 2020. It will take some time to return to normal loan-to-share ratios. So maybe I think to give you a context, maybe it will be modestly higher in 2022 compared to last year. But one thing is true. Loan defaults has been at its lowest across all loan types for credit unions during this pandemic. What was expected at the beginning is when there is a recession, financial institutions assume that people will default on their loans because they lose their jobs, they will not be able to make their payments, right? 
that didn't happen. You know, the, and expecting yeah. that actually credit unions are set aside a large like amount of money for loss provisions. While the recovery has been beneficial to many credit unions and consumers, Schenck says it has missed many low-income households. Home prices that have been going up for the last two years at double-digit rates, so a big non-financial asset owned by about two-thirds of households, and then financial assets because the Fed is keeping rates near zero, basically there's a bubble in the uh, equity markets and we're bouncing around at all-time highs on equities. So you look at assets, a big financial asset only owned by about half of households. But a big financial asset, it's gone up by 43% in value since the beginning of the COVID crisis. Very strange for an economic disaster, right? But a 43% increase in this, double-digit increases in home prices means that you know these are not realized gains, but unrealized gains in assets that have been going way up. And on the other side of the balance sheet, debts that are going down means that net worth, assets minus liabilities, net worth, it's at an all-time high. So this is the headline data. It hides a lot of not-so-favorable results. Remember, we talked about a K-shaped recovery and the fact that lower-income frontline workers were hit really hard in the downturn. If we could bifurcate this data and show you like sort of the haves and the have-nots, you would see kind of a big departure in the graph where lower income people are not enjoying what you're seeing here at a high level. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 